Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast, where I talk to individuals all across the internet because it's free and it's affordable, So, and you love it. So I'll Welcome back to another episode, guys. Without further ado, let's talk about the sponsor, the title sponsor, the Go Fastiest and the Less Suckiest. It's a Bill Dudas company, Go Fast, Don't Suck. They make awesome dry fire decals, match jerseys, uh, banners, t-shirts, and memes because we all need a good meme in our life. So go over to gofastdontsuck.net. Tell them Manny sent you. Move on with your day. But really, let's get down to the meat and potatoes of why we're here. We are sitting down with Mr. Corey Scheel of Shield Manufacturing. Corey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for sitting down with me. If anyone cares, this is on December 1st. If anyone cares, I don't know if you care or not. But anyway, thanks for sitting down with me. Uh, we've been talking about this since Area 5, so it's it's kind of been excited to finally put it together. I know. I know. I've just been swamped with stuff, and sometimes stuff gets shuffled to the back burner, and you forget about it for a month. But and, I'm glad you get out here and do it. Exactly. I mean, if, if I didn't talk about it now, Mr. The Other Corey, Corey K., would uh kick my butt so uh it's kind of why we're here today but anyway <laughs> um so uh if anyone doesn't know who Corey is who is Corey and how'd you get into shooting oh um uh, i just grew up in uh rural ohio um on the ohio pa border i kind of grew up hunting a little bit and plinking 22s in my backyard and um but that was about it the first time i was ever at a actual like sportsman's club actual range was for USPSA match um 2014 um went there showed up with you know the wrong gear you know uh with a limited nine gun I guess is what they shoehorned me into <laughs> and, uh, was hooked immediately yeah I can see that so did your uh was your father took you out hunting as a younger youth or some yeah, other... yeah my dad hunted deer uh, my mom's father would come out also because we kind of have like the property here and um, border on other family property that we can use and so um it was kind of my dad and my uh, maternal grandfather that they kind of taught me to hunt mm -hmm. and then um it just turned into one day a week my um my grandpa ken same guy would come out and he would buy a brick of 22s every time he come out he lived you know in the city so he couldn't shoot there and we'd shoot 500 rounds of 22 every day, just sitting in my backyard um, once a week, you know. And so that one summer that we did that, I think was really probably where my skills were honed. Mm -hmm. Was that like a bolt action 22 or like what, a 1022 or something like that? A lever action, a Winchester 94 22 was what my dad had that I learned to shoot on. So it had like a hooded front sight. You know, but just the old notch and post um, and a lot of time. And then, you know, everything else, I had a shotgun to deer hunt with. And so um, what I like to do was shoot shotgun shells with 22s. Well, like you get double use out of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was where I, you know, spent 500 shotgun shells and 522s. Well, you got to repurpose it. So that's kind of awesome. So, yeah, you said you got in the USPSA in 2014, shot limited. Um how dare they let you shoot limited with a minor gun because. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it was like, you read everything, you get nervous about going to a match, you buy 
the wrong equipment. Then you go to a match with the wrong stuff. You know, it was some kind of CZ knockoff, um, TriStar, something or other. And um, so you have to shoot what you can, you know. And I had like 24 round mags, but they were like, we'll let you shoot limited today with those. Just don't load them past 20 or whatever it was. And so um, they got me in the game. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So where do you primarily shoot then, Ohio or uh, Pennsylvania? So that was at my club that I'm the match director at now, uh, Pardo Sportsman's Club, which is it's about 40-minute drive from me into Pennsylvania. Um, I live on State Line Road. I'm an Ohioan, but I'm looking into Pennsylvania across the street. So, um, you know, 30 miles or so, I guess, into Pennsylvania is where the club is. Oh, okay. And I'm the match director there, and we run a match the fourth Sunday of the month. How long have you been the match director? Um, this is my second year. Pretty much as soon as I got heavy into it, I started volunteering, setting up stages and whatnot. And um, our match director is now the president of the club. And so someone sort of had to step into that role. And I got kind of voluntold I was doing it. <laughs> Yeah, we still work together. The, Sam still comes and does most of the work, just like he used to when he was the named match director. But um, I'm supposedly in that role right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it, you're shoot. You're you're the match director there. You've been there for a couple years. That's kind of awesome. Um, where'd you go after the that limited gun? What what division? Or did you stay there until you went to PCC? So. Yeah, I stayed in limited. I got a 40 cal Tanfoglio and like so I could actually play in limited legitimately. Um never never classified out of D class. Um just kind of never really worked for classification. Um I I've always kind of had that thought that you know, I wanted to earn it at a major match. I didn't want to earn it at the local. Um and I probably only shot that for a year or so before we started our indoor matches, which is one stage shooting one direction indoors, a lot of, you know, move side to side and shoot. And a lot of times we'll each shoot a different gun. And so we're shooting rim fires, we're shooting, we're trying each other's guns. And that's where PCC was like, well, hey, I can get on Palmetto and get one of these for 600 bucks. And next thing you know, that's all I want to shoot. Mm -hmm. So from that time, how long did it take you to go from getting into PCC to becoming a GM? So I think um, I started shooting PCC and I immediately when I got classified, I was B class um, and then ran right through A into M and I was M for two or three years. Um, never really, I, same thing. I said, you know, there's no real reason to go to G unless, um, I get a major match bump or I really, you know, I, I don't know. That's how I felt. And so I kind of stuck there. I didn't push to shoot classifiers hard. I didn't practice classifiers. Um, I got to M and was happy there, but, um, it just kind of clicked in June, 2021, a couple of the like 86 percenters went off and now the 94s are being counted. Then all of a sudden the hundred percents get counted that were just getting thrown away before. 
and if you shoot PCC, you get hundred percenters now and then that are just like lucky because mm-hmm. you're just lucky. But they never counted before, so it wasn't a big deal. But uh, everything, the math just worked, and you know, all of a sudden, I'm a I'm a ninety six percent GM, you know, and so um, then all of a sudden, same thing. Da Vinci called Code Evolution, and I don't know if it was because I made GM because I'm selling the buffer or what, because it was kind of all in the same area. But um, but I think making GM kind of helped me with the sponsors, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's fancy because it's like your shooting resume gets a little tick up, right? It's like nothing changed. I still finish in the exact same places against other people at majors. All my friends are, that are better than me are still better than me, you know. But um, somehow it just stars aligned and the math worked out and – Instead of being a 94M, I'm a 95G. So. Right, and then it's just always fun like that, right? Yep. So speaking of Coda and Da Vinci, I think we got to go over Mr. Red, White, and Blue in the background because, I mean, we got to go over the gun, oh. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, this is my Da Vinci DG9. But I've got custom Cerakote job from Victor's Legacy. Um, they're up in like east of Cleveland, Freeport Harbor. Um, absolute best Cerakote people out there. Um, they do regular gunsmithing too, but Cerakote stuff is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dakota Ultralight Handguard, ran a titanium comp. Um, pretty much everything else is Da Vinci. Um, we got my buffer system, the shield buffer. Oh, I do, I do run Hyperfire and Seymour. And um, I have no affiliation with either of them, but they're the best out there for either thing. I, I truly believe in it. Um, I pay full price for both, and I'm happy to do it. Um, that's just my little plug for them. But the DaVinci D- DG9 is just amazing. And I took seven ounces off the front by adding this Kodo Evolution handguard. And I was putting lead in the back to balance it. And so seven ounces off the front means I was able to get seven off the back. And it really made a big difference in, in my overall weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my plug for my gun. That's what I'm shooting. It is a pretty, pre- it is a pretty gun. Side charge, um, which I wasn't sure about if I was going to use it because I was just so used to the regular rear charge. But now that I have it, I never even touched the rear charge. Last time I cleaned the gun, the rear charge was like gritty when I went to pull it out because it just never gets used and kind of <laughs> had, you know, blowback dust around it. But, um, yeah, the side charge is really nice. Yeah, is that like a radiant or something in the back? Uh, yes, it is. I can oh. kind of see it under the Cerakote, but yes, that's what my other one is, and that's what this is. Nice. But yeah, I remember when you told me, this thing's quiet. I'm like, okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I shoot 147s, um, and it's a lead bullet with wax coating, which just seems to be quieter than the rest i don't know why um they're just what i get for cheaper and what i feel is a softest shooting bullet the same company makes a coated bullet or like a powder coated bullet that um i if i load them in the same magazine i can feel the difference between them and that the same powder same height everything same it's just one's got powder coating on it the other one's got wax lube and it's softer so um I don't know. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a little dirtier, I'm sure, but yeah, who cleans their guns anyway? Right, it's cheaper and softer, so I'll deal with the other. 
Right. Yeah. So and I remember at area five, you told me that this thing's quiet. I'm like, I got you. No problem. I'll be out of your way, but I'll be up your butt. <laughs> and I tell people that like, I, you're not going to interfere. Like if you bump me in the shoulder or something, it's not going to wreck the day. I'd rather you get the time than, uh, than not. So. Right. Right. Cause then who wants to waste ammo? Like what, what'd you tell me? You had to have three reshoots that day. Yeah. Area five was bad. And, um, the South Carolina sectional match was bad for, for reshoots on my gun for some reason. Um, I don't know if it's just how the ranges are set up or, or what, how, where the sound travels, but those were kind of the two. Um, but, but I don't know. Just mm -hmm. deal with it. Move on. We got to get it right. You know? So, yep. yep. I had to go back once to South Carolina and tell them like, there's no way I was, three seconds faster we watched the video the right time is 14 you wrote in 11 that can't be right and so like you have to reshoot it you got to get something you know mm -hmm. well at least you're honest about it well i don't i want to win it but i don't want to win it like that so right so have you any taken any formal shooting training no i haven't um uh, but honestly, like, I'm kind of self-taught on most things. Like, you know, I bought the CNC behind me and just kind of watched YouTube videos and, and I've learned a bunch. And, uh, but no, 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 no formal training. Um, you know, I've thought about some, there's a few trainers around me, but it just has never lined up. Mm -hmm. Speaking of like learning on YouTube, how many things or bits have you broken in your CNC due to trial and error? Oh, a few, a few, uh, most of the stuff that I, you know, started out trying with was, you know, Chinese kind of junk tools that I had from my little mini mill inside anyways. So, um, you know, I was kind of expecting that stuff to go away, but, um, aluminum and steel cut really different. And I'm learning like there's, you know, and this spindle will spin fast. So like you can just start melting stuff instead of removing stuff. And, um, it's a lot different than a little, you know, two horse mini mill. So, oh yeah, I I can imagine that. That's that's a lot of money in the end of the day, really, if you think about it. What you could be wasting or making. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I got a great deal on it, so I wouldn't have bought something this big. It's kind of a Hulk, but um, you know, it was kind of buy something new and small and chintzy that wouldn't probably do what I wanted. That was in my price range or something older and large and industrial that I could kind of maintain and uh, maybe utilize it for something else. Who knows? Right. And who says you're not going to grow into it, right? Because you never know. Right. Right. And it's always got some value just, you know, in case I want to move on down the road. It isn't Perfect. like some little, you know, rinky dink put together thing that no one wants to buy on eBay two years later anyways. Right. Now, if you decided to move out of your current location, would you be able to take it with you? Yes. Yes. I'm just in my like old shop that I worked on cars in and stuff and behind my garage. Um, but yeah, I, I got it in here with the fork, like a telehandler forklift, and I could certainly get it out and get it back on a truck if I had to. Oh, that's but good. Like not on the driveway. So I did it while the ground was frozen and, um, I'm sure I could do it in the middle of the summer, but I don't know about in the like other months where the ground's soft. Yeah, that'd be probably a bad idea. 
Yeah, yeah. See, either you get stuck or you're going to tip over some way and then you're going to lose it. <laughs> or just run everything up. Just wreck the yard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we are men. We we do take pride in our lawns. I mean, it's it's a thing. I mean, although my lawn is quite terrible, so yeah. I, I do my best. <laughs> well, it's like we want to shoot all weekend. What are we going to do? You know, <laughs> you quick cut the grass in like 30 minutes because that's what you feel like doing, right? <laughs> well, I'm lucky. I still rent from my parents. So uh, most of the time my dad does the lawn. I read whack and stuff if I can, but. Well, that's pretty convenient then. So we were talking about the mill a little bit on well, the machine, the CNC. Um, so what really made you get into making the first buffer? Just, I wanted something better. So um, I started building an open gun. I bought a, um, it was an infinity with a slide ride, Noblex doctor dot on it. They went for the starting bid on Gunbroker. Um, it was just a great deal. I could, I kind of saw it and was like, oh, yeah, I'll just keep my eye on that. And then a week later, it was like, oh, like I can actually afford this. And, um, but it had like a threaded uh, suppressor threaded barrel on it, like for putting a, you know, a silencer on it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like law enforcement tactical something but it says infinity on the slide and it's an infinity frame and it was nice um but i put bought that put more money than what i paid for that into turning it into an open gun but now it's a nine major gun that runs great and um kind of learned a lot about gunsmithing on that gun and how to tune an open gun and a lot of people were talking about the mainspring versus the recoil spring and when you get to open guns, they say the only thing that the recoil you need more recoil spring for is to shut the rounds off the magazine. As long as you can get it to strip a round off and go home, that's enough recoil spring. You should do everything else sliding, slowing the slide down with your hammer spring. Because, you know, cocking the hammer slows stuff down. And it like was like a light bulb going off in my head. I said, I can put this into PCC. And so the hyperfire is, it's got those two struts and extra springs. And I'm like, look, we can use the actual hyperfire to hold it locked up more. And so I started playing with different springs in the hyperfire and um, went down that road, which is not the road to go down. It's just going to break. I broke some stuff. <laughs> uh, but I started thinking about how to hold it locked up and how to do that and um that's when i came up with the the like roller detent setup in the buffer tube and um yeah the rest is kind of history i guess yeah so i'm assuming you've tested a bunch of buffers like even the jp and you know hodgepodge of different ideas with what putting quarters in the darn thing and all oh, right and pretty much everything just relies on a heavy spring holding it shot at the beginning or a weight or series of the two and it's like look if we're trying to get onto the lightest spring possible because that's you know not only is it slamming everything when it, when the whole stack of 22 23 ounces comes to the rear but when it goes home everything slams forward again and that's all because of that heavy spring and so if we can go from an 18-pound 308 spring or a 14-pound AR-15 spring that most people are running 
and uh, my custom springs five pound spring i mean that's like half the battle is when everything goes back home you don't have this huge slamming force um problem is is you're losing all of your lockup so it's like how do we do that somewhere else and so um that's where the uh you know the roller delayed idea came in and so you see there's these springs that are into pockets and um it's kind of hard to come back and then it releases all at once um so it's like we've got our 30 pounds of lockup energy or what however much it is and then as soon as it lets go now we're just on our little five pound string mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea on what i'm doing which really is cool because it's kind of like you know cocking a hammer on a 2011 and then you just get to play with the slide all day right exactly exactly and um you know, and there's a big difference also, like this is just a demo unit. It doesn't have any trigger or anything. This is just a, there's no barrel. Um, so I can show off this, uh, this buffer. And there's a big difference in racking this than one with the hammer down. Um, you know, the hammer can add another 10, 12 pounds. Mm -hmm. And that is cool. And it's nice to see the innovation of it and be able to use it in, um, and adapt the game right like there's a lot of people now trying to probably imitate you because you've got this awesome buffer system but um can you use that buffer with any bolt carrier group then for well i mean it's got to be a nine millimeter bolt carrier group but it, does it have to be like a, a full full length buffer system well bolt carrier group or can it be a short one no it can be a short as long as it takes a regular because like our system comes with the whole tube and everything so as long as it takes a regular tube buffer tube will go on the back um this is a carbine length you know then our system will work um some of the other systems require a hollow bolt ours does not though it'll work with either or um i prefer the feeling without the weight in the bolt mm -hmm. but some don't even have a removable weight um and know that that's the case on on like JP doesn't have a removable weight. They're always hollow. So, um, but that's kind of a, a tuning thing more than a um, will it work or not. Right. Yeah. Now, are you selling a lot of these to home builders or are you selling these mostly to like Da Vinci and other companies? Um, It's about 50-50 right now. Um, da Vinci is is selling a lot of rifles with my system already already on it. Um, I think they're doing more of that than they are actually just selling, you know, just being a reseller for the buffer system. Um, but I know they do a lot of business overseas, so they are kind of I I kind of don't I haven't taken on a lot of the international stuff. I'm I'm just kind of been swamped with that and between shooters connection and da vinci they are in that realm they know how to handle that so i've kind of just passed people on to them when um i've had international customers i said i typically send them then to them it's probably a lot easier they can they know how to ship it they know how to deal with all that crap instead of you trying to ship it and it cost you exorbitant amounts of money to ship the darn thing Right. And like, to me, it seems like, oh, a 35% tariff is completely cost prohibitive and no one would spend an extra $120 on their buffer system. But 
there's people out there just lined up for it. So um, I, I need to get some outlets into, you know, into Europe and that. Uh, it's just time, you know. Uh-huh. Well, and it's probably nice with Da Vinci. They're able to sell it and they can ship it across the seas and let them deal with it. And right. they've got they've got PCCs everywhere. Oh yeah, and I mean they shoot. You know, they shoot the CZ Extreme every year. They go to Aruba. They they're like IPSC people more more than uh, or as much as you you know USPSA. They're um, they're international for sure. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Now. You just released a couple days ago the Gen 2 buffer. So what's the difference between, a, if I bought a Gen 1 yesterday and a Gen 2 today, what's going to be the difference? So that's one thing. I pre-released it because that's one thing. I did not want people that maybe bought a buffer last week to be, oh my God, now there's a new one and it's out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking for like a January 1st ship date. So uh, this is a, you know, a pre-sale is what I'm doing. And that is just to kind of ease people again so that someone that bought one yesterday isn't mad today when the new one comes out. Mm-hmm. But um, so essentially we've got um, it's more adjustable um, and more durable is kind of what we were going for. Um, so the old one and here's the new one. So with the old one, we've got these rollers that are, I believe they're nine thirty seconds wide. Um, but they're, they're that wide and our new ones are quite a bit wider and they are, they are profiled to fit the tube more where we were riding kind of on square wheels here. This was just a bearing, um, a ball bearing. And the new one is an actual machine 4140 wheel that rides on twin bearings underneath it, actually. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the big deal. Um, you can see we've got a longer snout on the new one. On the old one, we used a bumper that went in the rear of the tube, essentially here, and the spring would coil around that stack. And, um, that was just while we got the dimensions figured out for our springs and everything, we kind of just kind of went with this. And I said, I can 3D print these bumpers and we can adjust the length and people can short stroke it or lengthen the strokes by using different length bumpers. And I thought that that would be a real good tuning tool at the beginning. Turned out it isn't really utilized. Many people just kind of go long stroke like I do. And um, so we weren't using that. So essentially this, the long snout replaces the two of them and the spring's able to just coil around it. Um, so inside the new one, we have on the arms, we now have these pockets that the ends of the springs are captured in. And that way the ends of the springs aren't able to deform at all. Before we were having some issues where the end of the spring may deform and it can get pinched in here. If they're not installed just in the perfect spot on the Gen 1s, um, they've been in the wrong spots and kind of crushed in there and there's not enough room for everything to compress. Um, the Gen 2 kind of solves all of that and makes it a little more um, 
I don't want to say idiot proof, but foolproof as far as putting the springs in and making sure they're in the right spots. Uh, one other thing is we have a weight, a removable weight. It's just a grub screw and it fits in and it is able to adjust the weight of the buffer by about um, 0.4 ounces, maybe four and four and a half ounces, or I'm sorry, four tenths to, to five tenths of an ounce, almost half an ounce by um, adding or removing this, which can really make a big difference if you're shooting like 115s or even 100 grain bullets um, that are going a little bit faster. They like to have a little bit heavier of a buffer setup where your 147s can kind of run a little bit lighter of a setup. Yeah, so that, that little weight is more like a preference thing at that point, really, right? Oh, absolutely. It'll run with either, but it's just one more tuning item. Um, I When I was kind of doing the CAD design on this, I needed to remove the weight from this area to get it down to where the Gen 1 was. And I said, you know what, I can just thread it. That way we have a removable weight. And, um, and so it worked out pretty good. Um, also using like our, I mentioned the springs are in buckets, so they are they're kind of we're not stressing them nearly as much as we were stressing the originals. So here's the the new spring and um, old very hard to show this. Old springs about half the height of the new spring. Mm -hmm. So um, so in and then we're moving at the same distance. So when we're crushed this down, you know, say a hundred thousandths of an inch, it it really stresses it a lot less than when you crush a spring at half the size down that much. So it's kind of um, live and learn things that we've figured out. Um, the Gen 1s are still working great. Uh, we're still selling them, but the Gen 2 is kind of an upgrade. Um, it's a little higher price point, but it's there's more adjustability, more durability. The guys that want to run like suppressed, I got guys that are running 10 millimeter, they're really hammering these things and um, they want something a little bit beefier. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of cool. It's definitely nice to see it's evolved. It's changed. It's adapted over time, right? Especially through you running it most probably, if not all of team Da Vinci's running a buffer from you. Oh yes. I unless think pretty much everyone is. Unless they're like really weird and want to be like, I want to be different. I can't be the, I can't, everybody can't have a Corey buffer. You know, some people, like, they took a little bit of time to get into them. Mostly it's like, well, I don't want to switch before this match, this area match, or this, you know, I won this one last year, this important match. And so that's, you know, the case with a lot of people um, that they, you know, they say, oh, I'm, you know. And so it took a little while to get the whole team on board, but I think pretty much everyone's came around. Uh, and on the contrary, though, like Mike Seifert did the complete opposite. I didn't think it was tested. He didn't think Da Vinci would like for him to run it. So, like, it took like a couple months before after I started really shooting it all the time before he was going to run it. And um, the night before the Buckeye Blast, he's like, let's put it in. I'm like, there's no way we could do this before a major. You have to test this with your gun, your ammo. I hadn't even seen a Da Vinci other than his at the time. He was like the first Da Vinci guy I knew. And um, we threw it into the Buckeye Blast, and um, he racked it all night in the hotel room till his knuckles bled. <laughs> he you know, was nervous about how hard it was to rack, to break it loose initially. 
And then he went out the next day and won it. And so um, it was just a real big shot in the arm for me. It felt good, kind of proved the whole concept out for me. And um, and people actually wanted it. It wasn't something that I was like pushing on people. I'm, you know, I was like kind of providing something that people wanted. So that was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Now to play devil's advocate, what's going to sell somebody on a $300 buffer? You know, um, someone that's spending lots of money to go to matches, you know, a couple more alphas is going to make a difference. When you really look down at your scores and you see that, you know, if a second makes a difference, you know, five alphas definitely make a difference. And I've got a lot of calls and, and emails from customers that, well, first off, that buy their second and third systems. A lot of my sales are to, are to repeat buyers. Um, they get one, they test one, they say, oh, man, I need this on my backup also. But I get a lot of them that say I went from Alpha Charlie to 2 Alpha on a lot of my targets. And um, it just it feels good to me to know that, you know, it's actually working. That is, that is <laughs> definitely nice. So what you need to do and change the description. And so instead of Alpha Charlie, it's 2 Alpha. Right. Right. Yeah, because a lot of people I would feel would be a little hesitant about like $300. I could go buy a match fee and a half for $300, but I mean, if you really want to have a good match, I mean, you probably want to have the best equipment, but you also should go test it too. Like just don't plug it in your gun like Mike did. And cause right, that right. he could, and then he would have been mad at you if he like, I, I had to leave the match. My gun wouldn't work. Thanks well, a lot, I was Corey. Against, I was like, this could do so much more harm than good at this point right now. Like if his gun took a shit and, and I mean, it would have like probably just been the end of the end of the whole buffer system in my company. But um, but it was, you know, it was a shot in the arm and it was the opposite. And I mean, I had proved it. I had thousands of rounds through it at that time. And it wasn't like it was just me and him either. There were some other guys using it. But um, I was not for let's put it in right before a major and go go with it. You know, I've done it. I've had people in area matches where they're like, okay, I'm sold. Let's do it right now. And I'm like, no, let's wait until afterwards. They're like, no, if it's good, it's good. Let's go. And so it's like, okay, customer's <laughs> boss, you know. And it'll be like, wow, their squad's moving past our place while they're shooting. It's like, we got 20 minutes before I'm up. Like, our, squ our squad's going to continue shooting. I'm just going to sit out of reset. And let's get this gun set up. And it's like, holy cow. So, that, uh, that's a little uh, on the edge of craziness right there, guys. Like, I know, I know. But, um, hey, you know, customer's always right. I mean, they might be. I mean, but then you probably <laughs> get the email saying, this thing's junk. It doesn't work. It's, you know, broke my gun, you know, and it's usually someone else's fault, right? It's like they want to blame the one thing that they changed about their gun when they were shooting bad reloads or well, I mean, the other thing is, is like, you can install this wrong, like mm -hmm. one thread in too, too far into the receiver or one too far out is like completely out of spec. So like, you have to get that right. And, um, you know, some people did and some people didn't. So um, maybe I wasn't so clear on the instructions right off, right off the get. And um, to me, that kind of stuff seems real simple. And it isn't always for you know, everyone, different people can see it different ways. So what you're saying is it sounds like there's a giant manual that comes with this buffer system. No, it's one page. There's one page of how to install it and kind of an, how to understand it. 
and then there's a second page that is like recommended settings based on mostly Team DaVinci's loads. So it's kind of like, because I got so many emails and calls about, hey, I'm shooting this load with this powder with this thing, and what spring should I use? And it's like, well, you know, I've got a starting place. You should start there. And then you should go to here or here. But this, at least there's like eight starting places for people. And um, it, it's, you know, so it's two pages. One page is instructions. The others is just like tuning recommendations, I guess. Well, and that's good. So then people do have a starting place because some probably people wouldn't even know where to start. They just put the heaviest springs in or the lightest springs and they don't get the desired results. Well, right. And I've got people that are getting, I've got law enforcement people that are bringing their issued ammo or their allotted ammo or whatever it is to matches. So it's like, I've got blazer one fifteens. It's like, sometimes that makes major out of PCCs <laughs> and uh, versus people that are shooting steel challenge. And it's like you can't give them the same starting point, and um, so we're Agreed. Yep. Thanks everybody for stopping in the middle of this awesome conversation with Mr. Corey Shield of Shield Manufacturing. But we need to talk about the awesome sponsors of the podcast because they're fantastic, and you know them and you love them. First off, the title sponsor, as we talk in the beginning of the show, Go Fast Don't Suck. So run over to GoFastDon'tSuck.net. Tell them Manny sent you, get a dry fire decal pack, go get some shirts, a hat, a hoodie. It's getting cold out and we all still go do things. So go check them out. Go fast, don't suck.net. Followed up by Hunter's HD Gold. Brian over Hunter's HD Gold is doing fantastic things for the shooting sports, like sponsoring the World Shoot Team with uh, awesome eyewear from Hunter's HD Gold. So go check them out at huntershdgold.com and you can thank me later. Don't forget you're running over to Dominate Defense at dominatedefense.com and getting yourself a Mach 1 speed belt combo, the best belt in the business, because I like to be awesome like that. Belt, best belt in the business. So go get use Manny Talks 10 to get 10% off that combo because it'll last five to ten, four to five times longer than any double alpha premium belt. So go run and grab one. It'll be awesome. It doesn't bind. It doesn't hitch. It's awesome. Ratchet in the back. Fully made in America in Idaho. I think Idaho, and that's where Jason lives. But anyway, run over to DivTechShop.com as well. Help out Nathan Dively sell the best affordable 3D printed magazine pouches on the market for their 3D printer. They're awesome, just as good, if not better, than double alpha magnets. So run over to DivTechShop.com. Use Manny Talk Shooting for 10% off your order, uh, which which helps out a lot, and it helps me out. So run over there. Can't forget our friends over at Laugh and Load. That's Pew Time Podcast, Tony and Jackie. If you're smart enough, you know how to go over there and get my official Manny Talk shooting t-shirt. Um, it's an awesome t-shirt. Uh, Tony and I designed it. Uh, it's just the logo and on the back, it's get out and do the things like I keep saying every show. So just get out and do the things and go get yourself an AFT agent shirt. Go get a Supreme Division shirt open because only shoot open. That's the way we live around here. Um, so yeah, go, go grab some shirts, grab some merch. Tell Manny sent you as well. Um, buying the shirt kind of says that anyway, but hey, um, we make them uh, affordable and available through them. So go over to laughandload.com and get your shirt today. Um, you can't forget our friend Tim Heron over at Tim Heron Shooting, the guy who kind of got me in the going on this sport, um, give me the right direction to go. So go check out timheronshooting.com, get into a class, sign up now because they'll fill soon and he's busier than ever. So timheronshooting.com, guys, go check him out. Uh, Tim's awesome. He's a great shooter, great friend of mine. 
Uh, we can't forget our friends over at Range Panda, Eric and Gianni. They are putting out awesome 3D printed products for your press, CNC products for your press, custom pistol stands. Show off that awesome open gap because you got to show it off because you paid that much for it. You might as well. Uh, he's also doing laser cut foam for your cases that are available. Um, more models added daily because Eric has a problem and <laughs> he likes making things. So he can't help himself. Awesome. Three um, seeing uh, lasered cups because, you know, only shoot open needs to be on a cup on everyone's cup. Uh, what else am I forgetting? Um, Don't forget our friends over at Targets USA, who makes the finest steel targetry on the planet. As Jason Woods, he's helping the PSL, PCSL League. He's helping out the Harder Than Three Gun. Well, I think that just happened. But anyway, that's this weekend. So anyway, go on, guys. Uh, check them out. Um, Targets USA, um, Holy Monkey Swingers, Stomp Pads. You know him. He's got it. Um, he can make it, too. So check him out, TargetsUSA.com. If Steve Anderson says that I say it, it's probably true. Uh, we can't forget our friends over at Chili Custom Gunworks. Go get yourself some Chili Custom Gunworks parts for your next opener limited gun build because they're the best. They're the finest. Uh, if your custom builder uses them, then they're pretty smart. Um, also, don't forget, you can go put a metal grip on your staccato or your DS9, oh, what, DS Prodigy, whatever the Springfield Armory $1,500 gun is. Put a grip on it. Be a man. <laughs> I love those cars. Be a man. Anyway, uh, I think that's everybody. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think it's everybody. But don't forget, we're going to get back into this awesome conversation with Mr. Corey Scheel. So have you have you messed with any PCC barrels that are like five and a half inches, six inches, and then it's just a tube at the end? I have. I have one on an upper, on a Da Vinci upper. I thought it was going to, you know, shoot a lot of Steel Challenge, and it's, you know, if, I wish there was 20 weekends in the month because I'd shoot every match. Uh, but uh, that was my thought. Before I kind of switched to thinking one gun for everything is the way to do it, so that I don't get out of practice with that one gun. Um, I, you know, I have a few rounds through it, but not enough to really get a big opinion on it. Right. So you'd still recommend a 16 inch barrel then, or a 14.5 pin and welded over a, a five and a half inch pistol barrel, essentially. Yes. I mean, I have them both, and that's what I'm using. Um, Yes. Because I don't know, locally around here, they're becoming popular, it seems like, or coming back into popularity, so. Mm -hmm. I know that's what Corey Katz shoots. Mm -hmm. um, I think he has a few. Well, actually, I know he has a few set up the same way. Um, we did some, um, like, side charging stuff. I helped him get set up this past year. It turned out pretty nice. Yeah, and for, I'm always interested. His barrel and handguard – not that it's unsafe. It just looks really weird. It's like, it's like, are you holding on to pipe insulation on this thing, dude? <laughs> oh, I know. And I just think about like, oh man, those bullets are just sinking down there right inside your hand and that's aluminum. You could twist it. But it's like, there's not much difference than what we're doing. He's got, you know, an extra quarter inch of like, or we got an extra quarter inch room if we're just looking at where our hands are and where the bullets fly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I always do like his gun because it's really light and he just carries around in that scabbard thing and it's like, all right, let's do this crap. <laughs> right, right. I took, before I started shooting for Da Vinci, my my number one PCC that year or the year before, like every year I'd just build a new one and that would be the number one and then my old one would be like my backup for the year. 
And so I'm probably on like number six or something right now um, as far as, you know, six years of shooting PCC and upgrading every year. But my last one, I turned the barrel down on a lathe. Um, it, it was like one of the SOCOM profiles. So it had like a big bulge in the middle for like a, a gas block to come again, to come up against. So I guess these barrels could have been turned into two, two, threes or nines as far as the outside profile, but I turned it down on a lathe and got it really skinny. And I was kind of nervous about bending it. And, uh, but it turned out to be a nice lightweight 16 inch barrel. Mm -hmm. I still have it. That's pretty awesome. Now, how do you feel about being the redheaded stepchild of Da Vinci and never wearing the team jersey? So, when we do a, I want to wear the jersey more, but I don't want to change all the time either. So it's like when we're when we have the the tent set up. And we're doing the vending thing and I'm selling buffers. It actually kind of makes sense for me to have my own jersey on separate because otherwise people don't realize who I am and don't ask me the questions that about that stuff. And so it's kind of like if I don't have a name tag on having my jersey on kind of does that same thing. Um, but while we're shooting, I try to like when we shoot multi-day matches, I try to at least wear my, my team jersey once. For one day, um, I did it nationals this year. I don't blame you. It looks yours looks better. No offense. Sorry. Oh, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of the team. Dimension's big, and um, and then there's you know there's people that have bought jerseys too that are you know affiliated. I guess I guess they're all everyone's on the team, but it's just get, it's getting large, and that jerseys you know I kind of I don't want to say I want to differentiate myself, but when I'm trying to differentiate myself. I will wear mine. And it makes sense, especially when you see a sea of orange, the red, white, and blue stands out. Right. And it's not like it's anything against them. I've talked to David about it. I love, you know, I love them. I support them. They're on my jersey. It's just that sometimes people need to figure out who I am instead of the sea of orange to talk about the buffer instead of the rest of the guns. Yeah. And it's nice. I mean, it's always cool because, I mean, you have your PCC logos everywhere when you when you sponsor matches. So it kind of it correlates. Who's this guy with this PCC logo everywhere? Because sometimes it's not always the same banner as a shield banner. Right. Right. I kind of learned my lesson on that. I've kind of I've got into making combination banners that has everything about it all on one so that um, I don't have that happen where one banner ends up in one spot and then you don't see it again. Or um, I wasn't real sure what I was going to do with that PCC logo at first, but it's kind of just kind of found its spot, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I, I, we need to move on to the next topic that we really want to talk about. And that's the falling steel world series. One, where did it come up from? What was the idea behind it? Why do you want to go down this path of madness and like go deep into this? Oh, I know. This is probably bad. So we shoot some falling steel matches that are towards the East Coast. Um, I got into it the last a couple years, and they are the most fun. They're like the most fun shooting match that are out there. Um, it it is standing and shooting, you know, so it isn't USPSA run and gun, but um, it's generally you know twenty five to thirty five pieces of falling steel. So 
hoppers or plate racks or sometimes they're even moving so sometimes they're texas stars and um it's just so much fun um you can get through it quick the reset's pretty easy the score is just your time and so um we just and we have these videos we take these videos of these things and we get a hundred thousand views online on our youtube channels and um so it's just like look it's hard to get 5,000 views on a USPSA stage, you know, and it's just not as visual. Uh, you can see the targets falling and it's, it's, you know, I can't get, you know, I'm like everyone else. I show people my match videos and everyone gets sick of watching. And um, so I've tried to get my family to watch it and they will sit and watch that. It's like, it's spectator friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just, you know, and no one else, it's like the East coast does this and that's it. And most ranges just aren't equipped to do it. The The startup cost is too great. Uh, you need, a, you know, 220 pieces of steel and um, they have to work. And that's a lot of weight and a lot of, it's just, it's just a lot of organiz- organizing. And so we're trying to put this together to take to ranges and um, put on at your range, essentially. And um, we've got three tentative for 2023 so far. Um, we're still working on this fall. We want to kind of get the, uh, the spring ones going. Um, but the first one's going to be April 15th and 16th at Cardinal Shooting Center, which is just north of um, Columbus, Ohio. Um, yeah, we're going to have seven stages. Um, like I said, 25 to 35 pieces of falling steel per stage. Um, yeah, we've got uh, cash prizes coming back to the shooters. Um, it's like we're doing like a Lewis class. So every 20 shooters or so, there'll be a clump of shooters that get paid. And then, you know, bump down another 20. So it'll be kind of like a random draw. Um, people in the middle will get paid. People at the bottom will get paid. Um, there's, it's, it's called Lewis class payout, and it's a whole mathematical system. That, um, that this is why you keep the other Corey around. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it seems other So we're kind of going for that. But we've got some big sponsors on board. Oh, well, Da Vinci's on board already as the title sponsor for this match. Um, so they're going to have some great prizes and I've been talking with three or four other big names right now as well, um, that are, we're just kind of finalizing things, but, um, there's going to be lots of prizes. We're kind of trying to do this as like, uh, um, a more family friendly atmosphere than your, than your standard, you know, um, tactical vibe that you see at ranges a lot. Um, still, we'll probably have a lot of steel challenge crossover. Um, but we want it to be family friendly. We're gonna have barbecue. We're gonna have music. We're gonna um, we're gonna kind of really focus on that and being very visible for um, for the sponsors. That's the biggest thing. Is just it's a visual sport, and um, if we can get this from being like a almost forbidden sport for the big names, um, we can get it back to what it was. I think in the '80s and '90s, where we had Tide and Sunoco and big names sponsoring it and cash payouts for the shooters. I, th- I think we can get back there at least um, somewhat. So. 
Yeah, and that'll be cool. And if I like the idea of bringing it more family friendly and get everybody out, um, it's kind of it, like you said, it's simple to follow. You don't have a bunch of weird rules to follow. You know, it's knock this steel down as fast as you can, and whoever's got the fastest time wins, right? Right, right. And I mean, if we're gonna have um, we're gonna have nine divisions, so there should be lots of places for you to shoot multiple times. That's the other thing. It isn't like um, other major matches where you've got once and that's it. Um, we're going to have four time slots. So you can shoot this four times in four separate divisions. You can't shoot the same division twice. Um, but there are plenty of overlap in some of the divisions where you might fit the same gun into two divisions. Um, so we'll have open auto, which is like your traditional open guns. Um, again, we don't have major or minor. You just have to knock the seal over. So there is some advantage to having some more power factor than um, than just the low stuff because it's going to push stuff over faster and we're going to have stuff hidden behind other stuff. So, um, but there is no major minor, but we will have open auto, limited auto, carry optics, um, low cap optics, which will be optic pistol, 10 round max. Mm -hmm. um, low cap irons same thing pistol with iron sights 10 round max um, stock revolver open revolver which i'm gonna have to finalize the exact differences between those but we're pretty much looking at like the steel challenge um, divisions for that um, so i'm sure open revolvers will be you know optics and comps and i'm sure there's probably a different capacity we'll, we're still finalizing that um, PCC optics and PCC irons, and neither of them have mag capacity differences. But um, but that should divide us into nine different groups. Um, yeah, Lewis class cash payback. We'll have you know like ladies, juniors, seniors, those kind of division or um, I guess categories. We'll have um, you know prizes for them. Just kind of looking to do it the right way. So how many slots are you looking to have in this match? So approximately 430 shooters total. That's including staff. So I, I believe it's like 410. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be seven squads in the morning and then the afternoon, two days um, with 15 people per squad. But again, it goes so quick because it's just tipping targets up. Um Two minutes of shooter is like a, a pretty normal re uh, turnover time because there's lots of times where we will take turns going down to reset because you'll walk halfway down and everything's already tipped up already. Um, so it's like, okay, I'll reset the next two and then you go for two and it, it goes quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, that's our plan anyways, is to run um, volleys in the morning and the afternoon Saturday and Sunday. Um, staff's going to shoot Friday. We're going to set up and shoot Friday. Um, so we'll have that over with. Um, we're talking about a shoot-off, like a stage with a head-to-head shoot-off. Um, we're still finalizing all the details with that. Um, that'll probably be like a Saturday night thing, and it will probably be um, like a separate sign-up. So um, if you want to shoot off, you sign up. And... Um, we're still working on that, how that'll work. If we have a separate sponsor for that, if we have a separate, maybe it'll be like kind of a wager scenario. Um, 
we're still working on that. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, how if I missed it, excuse me. Um, how many rounds are you typically having per stage? So, like twenty-five to thirty-five steel falling steel targets. So, you know, however many it takes to hit them and knock them down. Um, Which yeah. you're being reasonable because it's not like oh, we're gonna put a fifty a fifty round stage out here, and then you guys shooting ten rounds are gonna be screwed the whole time because you're. Having so many mag changes and whatnot, and right. yeah, and, right. and you're like everyone, like it's everyone's ammo, con, you know, conservative. It seems like nowadays they're picking and choosing what they're doing, so it it's still I, not a lot, which is nice. Right, and that gives us. I mean, we're really our number is thirty, but mm-hmm. we wanted to keep it vague enough on the uh, on the list in case we break a couple steel and have to remove. A couple before the match starts, you know, obviously we wouldn't do that as the match is going, but uh, we we're still following what we said we were going to do. But the, the idea is 30 per stage. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably set one stage where we can quick turn it into the shoot off. So something that's like kind of symmetrical from side to side, that maybe we take the middle plate rack out and put the double poppers in the middle and all of a sudden it's a shoot off stage without setting the whole thing mm-hmm. i like the fact to shoot offs yeah they're fun so is da vinci gonna set up their whole booth and then have people be able to borrow them for the match you know um that's so far off they're kind of still we're still working on everything for that and that's a long ways for them to travel from florida up um so i don't know hopefully mm-hmm. i know that um the Cardinal is huge. They're, you know, they're 30 some pits or that that's the plan by the time that we're there. And, um, you know, they have nationals next year, the Buckeye blast there, um, some big steel matches as well. But anyways, the same weekend is metal madness. And that's like, um, a 22 steel plate. And I don't really understand it. I've seen some stuff. They all have different color plates and numbers. And I think it's like, not only is it how fast can you shoot, but you've got to mentally recognize which targets are which while you're doing it. All of a sudden, it might be shoot the number threes or, or something like that, I think. But um, so they're there at the same time as us. Um, so there should be a good opportunity for cross promotions between the because they're they're just rimfire only mm-hmm. and we're set of fire only. So um, I think it'll work good together to. You know, we'll each get to see what each other's doing, um, same range at the same time. Yeah, I'm excited to go see Cardinal. I'll be down there for Buckeye, so at least Buckeye. I don't know if I'll go down for Carry Optics Nationals or something. I have a, a Canic a TP9 that I'm thinking about trying to work and shoot Carry Optics Nationals next year. Um, especially with it being so close to home, it's kind of like it's a slap in the face to not try, <laughs> right? And I mean, carry optics is our like premier division at, right now, you know. Um, in my in my opinion, it's it, it's just growing so fast, and I mean, it's the one standalone nationals. It's you know, it's kind of where you want to be. I think. Um, not that I'm switching to carry optics or anything like that. It's just if I'm gonna go to a different nationals than PCC. That's probably the, the one for me. 
And what I told Corey Kay was, you picked the wrong Nationals to be at Car- Cardinal. We needed open PCC at Cardinal. Oh, we- I know. I know. And I said, the thing is, is that uh, I want to shoot open, too. But, you know, they're together. So it is what it is. But I bet you could appreciate them both being together comparatively instead of, oh, we're going to put PCC with production like this year. Yes. Although... I don't know. I'm like, I'm a three gunner. So like, I like all the different challenges and nothing really bothers me. Like 2020, it was standalone PCC nationals and we had 65 yard swingers. And um, it is what it is. It was PCC only. And we made, and they gave us PCC challenges, you know, but I like shooting regular USPSA stages like I do every weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what they were this year. And uh, I don't know. There were some harder things. Production guys probably didn't like it as much as we did. But um, it did not bother me at all this year. Yeah. I thought it was great. Now, with that, do you think that PCC should always be standalone? Or do you think it always should be kind of mixed with another division? I like it mixed. And I like, you know, I think they're doing it well. I think they're not keeping it mixed with the same division every year so now someone like me that's a pcc shooter that also dabbles it open or isn't stuck to one nationals you know what i mean like i'm gonna play in carry optics because i can't go play pcc and open um i didn't shoot open this year i kind of focused on this buffer and 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 selling stuff so I, i don't know that's hard to say um if we had the people to do standalone that would be great but I don't know that they have to have rifle specific challenges because that's not what we usually see. Right. <laughs> now, do you think that we should have spinners for PCC? They're fun. Um, I would, you know, I think there's a place for that. And that's three gun. It would be really hard to fit that into our the way our rules are in USPSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's a challenge there, just getting getting it to someone's got to call that over or however that works. I guess we have to figure that out. But um, it doesn't fit the current rule set, so I think that's the challenge, making it into a USPSA thing. But they're really fun in in three gun, and. Um, I have one in my house and I shoot it all the time with my PCC. Um, so, so you don't think it's unreasonable to like to shoot it over with something other than a shotgun? No, not at all. No, I think it's a lot of fun, actually. It's mm-hmm. just there's some range considerations there. You can get flyers over the berm because of the angle of the plates, um, which, you know, that can happen on a falling popper as well. But um you're you're hammering seven and eight and ten rounds at this thing at a time sometimes and so the just the potential for over the berm stuff is a little more with a with the swinger or a spinner a vertical spinner and um yeah i don't know but i don't think the challenge is is outrageous gotcha I know a lot of people bitch about swingers or you see or spinners and you see them in, you know, three gun videos and everyone loves watching them spin or watching somebody mag dump into it with like a really expensive shotgun. So it's like, okay, I mean, I can see the enjoyment of that. 
And one of the things I really like about shotgun is using different loads for different targets in a stage, like the candy caning type scenario, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I could even see that if we were going to shoot spinners in a PCC stage, I would think about different loads for different places in my magazine. Like, because nine is very versatile for that. You can have, you know, sub minor all the way to nine major. And so, like, I might think about putting some hot stuff when it's about in that spot where I'm going to get to the, the spinner in my mag, you know? Mm -hmm. And that could be fun. That's another aspect that, not, that we don't play with in, in the sport. Yeah, that, that is true. I do have a couple listener questions I need to ask you. Um, one is from your loving teammate, Jason. Uh, when are you going to fix your terrible ass website? End quote. Oh, geez. Yeah, um, you know, as soon as I get time to do it, you know, I'm sure that there's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So. <laughs> Yes, so, I know. I need to do that. I need to talk to you, Jason. I'm sure you've got lots of tips. Well, if he he, I guess he's now. I guess he's offering to do it now. So if with that with that question, he's now offering to redo your website for free now. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. And yes, I'll have to definitely take you up on that, Jason. Even though if it, that wasn't his intent, now that's what it is now <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> and another guy asked, um, going kind of back to the buffer system. Uh, when they ask hot loads, I'm assuming probably like 145 to 150 power factor ammo. Um, and I'm assuming the buffer system accommodates that just fine. As far as like durability, absolutely. Like, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yes. And um, it isn't going to feel the same. I mean, but there, we can optimize it for any load mm -hmm. um, to get the gun feeling the best for that specific load. Um, when I did a lot of the Gen 2 testing, you know, primers are kind of, they're expensive. They're available, but they're expensive right now. And so most of my testing was with 9 Major just to try to do, like, destructive, like, like the initial testing to make sure that this is going to hold up was shooting 9 Major out of my PCC and just, it was awful. Mm -hmm. you, still got to go you still got to shoot, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, but... You're also like you're testing something that you're, you know, the first rounds were legitimately the first rounds, and this thing's kind of reciprocating right next to your face. And like not you don't realize how much closer the chamber is to your face on a PCC than it is on an open gun. Even that like 10 inches of difference between the chamber being here and out at the extent of the reach, like you kind of know it. I gained a little bit of a flinch when that thing was going off, and I shot it a lot from the hip. <laughs> because why not why not right i mean there's things where you could put a okay do you put a laser on your gun sometimes uh, sometimes i have one that it's lost it's i don't know if it's the mount or something it's like it loses at zero so it's useless to me at this point but um i used to run one okay i mean i know some people who do and some people like no that's just i mean it's gaming but it's like eh I mean, by the time you're looking for the laser on the, the thing, you could have just been ripping two at the target anyway. See, I always thought that until I shot with Mike Sherrod. And he, like, he legitimately uses the laser, and he can get 0.3 splits after the timer. 
like on the first target and he hits poppers at 20, you know, at 20 yards with the first shot from the hip as he's drawing it. And so it's like, man, I guess there is some actual value to it. If you spend the time to train, I was never good enough with it to make use of it. And then the other thing was, is my gun would double sometimes if it wasn't on my shoulder. And so, but not enough to count on it. And just that little hiccup would throw my stage plan off right at the beginning. And it's like, I don't need a hiccup at the beginning. I can overcome it, but let's not just in, introduce it anyways. So, yeah. So I didn't like the doubling, so I don't use it. Fair enough. Now, let's talk about a couple majors this year. Which major did you feel was either your favorite match to go to or your best performance? Um, geez. That's tough. My favorite match. I The South Carolina sectional was a fantastic match. It kind of started the season. It was in April. Um, and that, but it's a, so like I wasn't in practice at all. It was a couple weeks after area six that I'd shot. So I kind of was, you know, getting into the season, but, um, it's staff reset that you shoot in a half day format. And so it's 10 stages and a half a day and you don't, all you do is load your mags and get ready to shoot the next stage. And so Da Vinci was the title sponsor. And so we shot with, it was all team Da Vinci. We kind of shot through as a group and um, it was just a blast. It was a, just a great match. And uh, the, not that I mind resetting or anything, but like all we did was shoot. We just shot the whole time, you know? And so um, that was really fun. I went to the New Mexico, New Mexico sectional uh, or Albuquerque. Sec- I don't know. It was in Albuquerque um, in September. And that was cool just to get out West. Um, I've been to Phoenix a few times, but that's it. And so, um, you know, it was it was interesting to see Albuquerque. I drove. It was like twelve miles of dirt road after the like the development that their building ends, and it's you know just into the desert, straight like Walter White, making <laughs> bad stuff is all I could think. And like I'm driving some little Nissan, you know, spec or whatever, tiny little car. And you get it, and then all of a sudden, a giant four by four truck comes over the thing on the road, and I'm just like, man, this might be it. You know, they could just hop out. That you know, after watching all this gangster Breaking Bad stuff, and of course, they're just other people coming from the range. But um, <laughs> but that was a good match. Um, I ended up winning PCC division, so that made it a lot better. And it's nice to travel and be with the team. Um, shout out to Craig and Christina. Hey, made the trip so that was good did you make sure to get some los pollos hermanos while you were there (laughs) uh no i looked i looked for it uh but no i did not you know i I did they have this uh sandia mountain or or something like that and they have a tram that goes up you start at five thousand feet and you get to ten thousand something and it's like a cable car. Um, and I guess it's the largest one in North America, the longest one, maybe, or I don't know. But it was really cool. So I, I did that on my day off and uh, it's sightseeing. I'm glad I did that. But 
that was my trip to Albuquerque. Those are good matches. That's pretty cool. Can't beat that then. No, no. Um, I got 10th, or I'm sorry, I got 11th at Nationals, and I'm just super, um, super pleased with that finish. Um, I do think that I could perform better than I did. I kind of, I think I was kind of conservative on some things. Um, when I saw that the like top 15 or 20 was possible, I kind of didn't, didn't go as hard. And, may, and maybe that's different. Maybe it's different from someone else's perspective, but, um, but I, I, I feel like 11th is just great for me. And I think that I can actually do better. Um, if everyone else does the same, if no, if everyone else doesn't get better as well. Right. Now, are you going to shoot on the super squad then next year? I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible. And if I want the pressure, because that was the thing that, um, I probably could have done better had I not just felt the pressure after day two of nationals this year and knew that it was possible to do well and, you know, quit sleeping and eating and everything else until day three, you know? Um, so I really, I felt it. So I don't know if shooting with, shooting with your friends is fun. And that might be a good thing at nationals to not have the pressure for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I specifically cherry picked the squad with Tom Castro. Cause I wanted to shoot with him. Cause I knew that he was a, just a good coach and would push would push people and I wanted to, I wanted to shoot with them and I saw an opportunity and I just, I ran around like my hair was on fire and I shot over and around targets and just didn't settle the site. Just never let the site settle and shoot. I just didn't do my thing. And um, I felt the, felt the pressure cause I wasn't with my friends. I was just shooting with the group of really, really good shooters. And, um, I didn't do as good as I should have. So um, this year I made sure I had some friends with me and, um, and I had a really good match. Well, that's good. Uh, and it is nice to shoot with your friends and be comfortable and get that moment. Cause no one really likes that extra pressure that they don't necessarily need to have. I mean, it just hurts your performance. Cause then you have this un- unrealistic expectation of who you're possibly shooting with, like, and all this. So it doesn't help. It doesn't, it's just right. negatively affecting you. Yeah, so I, you know, if it's probably a good opportunity for me to shoot on the super squad, it's probably a good opportunity for Da Vinci for everyone. I probably should, um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see, and that'll be awesome. Um, I do have a couple more questions to ask you before we end this awesome conversation, which I know everyone has been enjoying because that's how they do these things. Um, so. Matches next year, what do you look at? You got your three falling steel matches so far, or tentatively got three falling steel matches. Um, I'm assuming the Buckeye Nationals. Anything else you're looking to put on your schedule? Um, so I mean, I try to do the three area matches, um, six or five, six, and eight. Um, I was, I'd like to get up into the New England, so seven would be a good one to do to, to get up into new england for um i don't know uh, the battle for the north coast of course i'll be there uh western pa sectional i'll be there 
uh, Bill Drummond's club. That's a nice club. Um, then I, you know, I run my match every week or every month. So that's, you know, something not that, not that I don't have people that I can lean on if I have to travel. Um, but it's, it's tough. I shot like 15 majors this past year and it was just, it was a lot. And it wasn't 15 from like January to January. It was from like April to, to October. And, um, so I don't know, definitely area five, definitely area eight. Definitely Buckeye. Well, those are always good here. Falling Steel. I'll, I'll go to the Palm the Palmyra Falling Steel event. That's a good one. I'll I'll definitely be going to that. Um, shoot that almost every year. That's in like Hershey, PA. Yeah. I don't know. A three gun. I've kind of fallen off on the last few years. It's just expensive. It's so much more expensive to to go to now with the ammo crunch. Um, so I don't know. I used to do the three man, three gun. We'll see. Maybe I'll do that this year. Probably not. What is that down in <laughs> South Carolina? Or is that like in something like Tennessee Topton, or something? Topton, Pennsylvania. So it's out there like by Harrisburg, Hershey out there, but that's a team match. So it's a three man team. They'll do some stages where you're all three shooting shotguns at a hundred targets at the same time. And some stages where you're volleying through, um, but that's really fun. It's a great event. Dean DeTurk runs it. He runs. He's a great guy. Runs a really good match. Oh, that's awesome to hear. So we we got to pay the bills, I guess. Uh, who like your sponsors or your partners, so we can plug them here, so they can get a little bit of recognition here at the very end. Uh, da Vinci number one. You know they're um, they're great. Code Evolution, uh, mag pouches, handguards. They're they're really stepped up for that. Um, that's about it as far as what you know. People that are that are stepped up to help helping me. I mean, you know, obviously shield manufacturing. I, I want to plug my own stuff, but, um, but yeah, um, that's that's who I have to plug. Awesome. And then uh, where can they find you on the internet if they or wherever they want to get a hold of you at? Uh, best place to contact you with questions, maybe? So, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook, um, Corey Shield, Instagram, Corey Shield 3Gun. Um, email me, Corey Shield at Hotmail.com. Um, my website is ShieldMFG.com. Um, that's for manufacturing, not MF guns. Yeah. yeah well that's awesome hopefully people have learned on this one about some things that'll be pretty exciting to see um learned about the buffer system um any of that uh but Corey, thank you for coming on dude this has been a blast uh i learned a lot i've had fun and uh now i can get uh cory cats off my back uh sorry buddy <laughs> <laughs> uh but thank you Corey, for coming on oh thank you so much it's been fun and uh yeah yeah thank you no problem. And listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, get out and do the things, and I will see you on the next one.